0: Listener production. Market the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special Sunday Mailbag edition. Even more special because Christmas is in the air, the time of goodwill and peace and all those kind of wonderful things, and that makes it appropriate that I speak to the optimist of the crew, the man who just (laughs) has nothing but smiles and kind words for everybody, the genteel. The genuine, Mister Andrew Ram
0: Page. G'day, mate. How are you? You know, I'm all about rainbows and lollipops and sunshine coins. and all <laughs> <big> in <coins. laughs> Um Yeah, yeah. What, what's not to love with the state of the world, hey?
1: Exactly, mate. And I'm glad you're here to share that with us.
0: Are you ready for Christmas? No, I'm not. I'm a. I, well, here's, here's the least surprising statement uh, of the year. I, I, I love. I love the. For me. Boxing day, any day of like yeah. I, I will take that over Christmas is love. Like I enjoy it, but it's the it's the lead up to Christmas oh, that yeah. is just so stressful yeah. and costly. Everything's gotta and- be done by Christmas. Oh, you know, and then even the Christmas Day itself—it's like it's, I shouldn't complain. It's lovely to catch up with them. There's a lot of running around, keeping various family members happy, and then <laughs> Boxing Day is like I can just relax. The kids are happy; with, they're, they're, they're exactly. preoccupied. This is this is where it's at. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Nice, mate. Can I
1: uh, can I start off? I have a question for you, but not yet, not yet. Okay. okay. Uh, we had I was sent two separate uh, images during the week from our listeners. Now, I don't use Spotify, but Spotify famously has their Spotify. Is it wrapped or unwrapped or what they call that thing? That kind of idea of like, you know, here's, here's your year in review. We have had two listeners who sent us images uh, from the uh, their, their journey with Motley Fool Money this year. The first one was from Harrison. Uh, Harrison just sent it uh, to me and the, here's the thing it says. Uh, this is Harrison Stats. You've listened for 7,518 minutes. You're a top 1% fan, <laughs> which I thought was extraordinary. In fact, I thought it was extraordinary until until we got one more <laughs> for another uh, listener whose details I can't quite find. I wonder if it was sent to me some other way because I pasted it to you anyway. I wish I could name this person, but I can't because I've, I've clipped it. Uh, this listener, you've listened for 8632 minutes you're a top 0.5% fan so I'm going to just say the the best Christmas gift we could get from our listeners is that dedicated followership. Now some of these are more listening because they had to catch up on previous years' episodes. Harder if you've just listened to what we've done this year. Uh, You did say to me uh, on Twitter, mate, uh, you said, "Holy hell, 143 hours!" And I said, "Well, that's like seven episodes for us. So 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 maybe maybe it's not that big a deal." But uh, no, really, really. So just I want to say, I mean, we'll we'll get closer to Christmas and we'll do some Christmas thoughts when we get closer. But uh, as as an early Christmas present, uh, I just want to say. Thank you for everyone who spent any time listening to us so far this year. It's uh, it's an absolute privilege to get between your ears. Uh, you've got a million other things you could you could listen to and spend time doing. So uh, we just truly truly appreciate you spending some time.
0: I'm just waiting for Spotify to offer us uh, a Joe Rogan kind of deal, you know. Uh, yeah, which- which I will take. <laughs>
1: Spotify Andrew page goes Joe yeah. <laughs> like There you go. You know. Hashtag uh, Spotify. Hundred uh, million yes. will do it. It'll get me that, across the line. that'll be completely fine. Uh, the good people listener, of course, uh, who are publishing this would rather stay with stay uh, stay with, with, with listener with Spotify, but uh, you know, hey, uh, it's a competitive money, market. Money talks, listener.
0: You know, I'm, <laughs> offers are open. Offers are being accepted.
1: Oh dear. <laughs> Uh, before we get thrown off the platform, Andrew, I guess I probably should find out what Strawman is. Then
0: uh, we are a private online investment club.
1: I'm glad to hear it, Mate, uh, Let's let's kick into some questions from our listeners. That are, oh, by the way, we did get one person, one one listener who who really has obviously started the the Christmas spirit kind of period. A little more screws than a little more kind of you know a little a little, a little pre. Uh, Christmas Ghost Scrooge the post Christmas ghost Scrooge <laughs> so apparently there's one listener who doesn't like the the ongoing joke about straw
0: man which well, I am staggered by okay um, you know uh, it, it's uh, where there's where there's one there's probably others is all I'll say hush
1: <sighs> anyway Nick says hi hey, Scott here's a question for the podcast feel free to use my first name so I will Nick thank you On behalf of all the retail investors listening to the pod machine, says Nick, I'd like to share a recent passage. I I like those jokes, Andrew. From The Economist, which warned investors that the future will not be as rosy as the past. Now, I'm going to ask you to keep keep pessimistic, keep Ghost of Christmas Future here, Andrew, as as I read this out. Quote, even accounting for the global financial crisis of 07 to 09... The four decades to 2021 were a golden age for investors. A broad index of global shares posted an annualised real return of 7.4%. Not only was this well above the figure of 4.3% for the preceding eight decades, but it was accompanied by a blistering run in the bond market. The golden age is now almost certainly over. End quote. Nick asks, Is the economist right to say the market as a whole will not perform as well in the coming decades, as in past decades, thanks, Nick.
0: Gosh, what do you reckon, mate? Who knows? I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I get it, right? And I've made similar mm. comments. The, I, I think we all, all mistake good fortune for good for good skill sometimes, yeah. and you and I have have pretty much. Our entire careers have been during a period of structurally declining interest rates, which, <laughs> <Richard, laughs> yeah. hey, is a great time to be alive if you're an investor, <laughs> right? Now, how much of that was pure genius, and how much was that right place, right time? Yeah, um, correct. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be self deprecating for the sake of it, but it is something that I am, mm. I am mindful of uh, property investors take note as well. That's a factor for you guys too. Um, uh, it, it, just, it just, it, it changes valuations. It's a very strong tailwind, you know, to, to have in your sales. Mm. And, and I, I think that period is over. Um, mm. so, so I, I, that is, that is something that, that is going to make it harder. And also, even though things, depending on what segment of the market you're looking at, you know, things have come back a little bit, but Overall, when you look at valuation metrics for markets as a whole, they're sort of at the higher end of things. So we're going into this different environment of – Maybe not. Let's not say it's going to rise. Interest rates are going to rise for forty years, but mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if that. Well, mathematically, unless we. well, gosh, unless you want to start talking about negative interest rates, you just can't. You, even with the. I know people are saying, yeah, but what about what about all of the rises recently? It's like we are mm-hmm. still well below the long term average, right? So it's yeah, sort of, yeah. it's it's going. That combination of factors is going to make it harder, and then, but on top of that. You have very. Well you have. Let me phrase it this way. You have the potential for very, very rapid technological change mm-hmm. in an area that has the potential for insane uh, productivity gains. I'm talking yeah. about AI, of course. I know it's overhyped. I know it's mm-hmm. overused. But like any good hype cycle slash bubble, <laughs> there's a good there's a good element of of truth in that. There's reality at the heart there somewhere, isn't there? Look, there really isn't – it's something that I I do pay very close attention to and I can tell you, man, like some of the things that are already coming out is just like – I actually was saying the other day, you know, thinking about the kids, it's like – I would never say this, by the way, but it's like I don't even think you need to bother going to school anymore. I don't know what you gonna I don't know what you're going to do. Like, what are you going to uh, do? Yeah, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's it, the world is changing so fast, yeah. and it's I I find it I find it very hard to make predictions three five years out, let alone decades yep. out. Yep. So I, I'm a big fan of this idea of. um, I think it's called now casting, which is a <laughs> bit of a stupid word, but I'm not trying to forecast so much, but just say what does, and I'm not trying to look at markets per se. I'm trying yeah, very much, right. you and I are both bottom-up investors, so mm-hmm. I don't really give a stuff what the market is doing. I'm more interested in buying a stake in a, in a particular business. Yep. And I'm when I say now casting, I'm trying to say, well, what does this business look like today, mm. right? You know, and if I see a business that's got a really healthy uh, balance sheet, it's got established products and services that has certainly demonstrated traction in the market. They've been able to maintain their margins in in difficult inflationary environments, etc. Now that doesn't guarantee anything about the future, <laughs> but that's the kind of horse. Look, if I'm going to jump, there's a field that you know, and I'm going to jump on a horse and ride across it. Am I going to pick the? beautiful, healthy, well-fed, well-watered thoroughbred or am I going to go for like the old nag that's like barely able to stand? Like, yes, it might be the one that just manages to race ahead unexpectedly. It happens. But but I think that's how I'm trying to look at. It. I'm trying, I mean, you, you, you can't avoid making assumptions and forecasts about the future, but I at least want them to be not not exceptionally high bars that 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 have to be hurdled over um, yeah. and that even if things more or less sort of muddle through that that's going to put me in a reasonably decent position but but coupled with that is and this is where I I've, I've admitted I struggle a lot with this is is having the flexibility of of mind to recognize when a thesis is broken and act swiftly that's. Let me clarify that. That's not to say, oh, the share price is down. I was wrong. I'm out. No, no, no. My, my investment thesis rested on my expectation the business would do this, this, and this. The the less likely that looks, regardless of the price. Frankly, the more I should, <laughs> whether I will or not is another thing. <laughs> but the more I should be uh, open to just you know walking away, dusting yourself off, and and trying again. I. I I don't think – it's not the kind of environment where it may have been um, not really that long ago, historically speaking, where you you could have a reasonable vision on the future. I think anyone sort of in 2000 could sort of say, yeah, Coca-Cola's not going anywhere. It's like, oh, yeah, people are more alert to sugar and and there's a a definite phenomenon that's there. But it wasn't just going to be disrupted and gone overnight. I I think those things are are more – more likely, more yeah. Does that make sense? I, I it does. in, no, in I a think, world with rapid change.
1: I think that's right. David Gardner, our for co-founder, it's, it tells a story of you know when you were uh, yeah, three hundred years ago, a century ago, uh, you know whatever you're, when you were born, you know you're born and your your grandfather was a farmer on the Nile Delta. Uh, your father was a gran- farmer on the Nile. Delth, you were going to be a farmer on the Nile. Delth and your grandkids are going to be a farmer on the Nile. That, that's how this worked, right? Yep. Uh, think about the pace of change these days, the last 100 years, the last 50 years, the last 20 years, the last five years, the last year. Uh, yes. It's it extraordinary, the pace of change. I think you're absolutely right, Ram. I think um, I, I, I kind of riffing off your thoughts a little bit, um, I don't know either, literally no idea. Um, uh uh, there, there are pros and cons and reasons for both. I think what I would say, by the way, is whenever you see someone make a definite, therefore, ignore that for a starting yeah. point, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a compelling headline slash statement. When they say, you know, this won't happen, what was the end you know, of um, uh, The golden age is now almost certainly over, end quote. I mean, mm. you know, like seriously, mm. nothing is certainly anything. No. Um, you know, there was a, famously the end of history. The book was written in the 50s, yes. 60s. Uh, IBM only needs six mainframe computers in the world. Uh, you know, predictions are stupid. And mm-hmm. so who knows? Um, so, a couple of thoughts. Firstly, uh, while I'm not a massive uh, monetarist or uh, so, not a Bitcoiner, um, but as our listeners well know, the, it's very hard to escape the fact the last 40 years of, of higher returns comes with an era of higher debt. And there is some debt fueled growth in the economy that we now got trillion dollars worth of government debt and, and a lot of private debt to account for it. And so that that's just worth that's just worth calling out. Now, is that aiding the last 40 years worth of growth yes. It's an excellent is it detrimental? Point. Is it detrimental? Not necessarily, but probably given the size of that debt and, and the 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 burden of that debt, but it's part of it. Is technology part of it? Yes, absolutely. Productivity. Here's the thing the economy only should be should only grow at the pace of the population growth. Other than for debt, which in theory is temporary, although we're doing our best to make it permanent, and uh, or at least the cycles of that anyway, uh, and technology, productivity, productivity is what yeah. gets us out of subsistence farming, right? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, when when the economy, in quotes, measured in sixteen twenty five. Would have been the sum total of all the wheat, you know, harvested and the cattle, you know, killed and mm-hmm. and thatched roofs made and you know you apply some sort of arbitrary value to that and call it call it an economy. Mm-hmm. These days, you know, productivity, the, the industrial revolution, that the the, uh, the information technology revolution, to Rams' point, those things have changed things dramatically. Now, I'm not prepared to say. Well, so here's the other thing. If you Look at the 4.3 percent for those preceding eight decades. Compare that to the to the eight centuries before that. Someone would have said. The economy's only grown at 1.5%. It's grown at 4.3% for the last eight decades. That can't continue. Mm -hmm. And what did it do? It went to 7.4%. So, you
0: know,
1: a point in time we look back and go, well, obviously this is different, but obviously it must go back to where it was. Uh, We really haven't. Now, also, by the way, we've done it by, you know, destroying parts of the environment and having some pretty ordinary social outcomes and other things as well. So this is not faultless, single direction, no side effects, no collateral damage, progress. But it is progress. I... Wouldn't want to bet that we will necessarily repeat the last four decades in the next four decades. Nor am I even close to certain that it needs to be lower. It could be higher, frankly, for for reasons that Ram just talked about. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't place any bets based on that framework at all. I think it'd be madness to do so. In fact, the last four, despite the fact the article's supposed to be about, hey, the last 40 years were an anomaly, therefore it should go back to the period before that. All they've really shown is growth patterns change. <laughs> Mm. You know, and they're not not Don't get me wrong; it doesn't have to go to ten and then fifteen and then twenty five. But there's nothing to say that you know the circumstances that got us here need to continue. That eight figure, eight decade figure looks low compared to the last four decades, but it's massively higher than the previous four centuries. So that's that's important. Um, My last my last point, I suppose, Nick, which is really deeply unsatisfying, is dot dot dot. So what else are you going to (laughs) do? So let's say it is four point three percent. What are you going to do? You're going to put money in the bank? Well, if growth is 4.3%, you're unlikely to get 4.5% interest, is my best guess. Um, uh, Are you going to put it under the bed? I mean, you're welcome to, but inflation will take that away. Do you want to go start your own business? Go for it. But is that better? Uh, You want to buy a property? I don't know. You know, Ram's been a little bit – he's got some thoughts. Uh, So, you know, (laughs) part of me is kind of like it's almost – we've talked a lot about – is it the Howard Marks thing, mate? That's like this two-grid matrix of – important and knowable on difference. Mm. So if it's if it's important and knowable, you better you better want to believe it. You better want to find out. If it's not important and knowable, don't waste your time. If it's not important and not knowable, don't waste your time. But if it's important and still not knowable, well, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Mm. you just got to leave it behind and move on. So mm. I love the question, Nick. I don't blame you for a second for asking it. I'm going to honestly say, mate, I don't know and I'm not going to waste energy. Again, I don't mean this critically. It sounds like I'm being awful. I'm not going to waste energy trying to work it out because it doesn't matter. My, my only question, like with any investment, is which is the – Best place or if you prefer, which is the least worst place for my money? And if it's this and I get 7%, great. If it's only 4%, well, okay, that kind of sucks, but better than doing nothing. It only The growth rate of the market only matters if you have alternative investments which become more attractive at those rates. And that's probably, maybe there is an argument, say maybe cash is attractive. You can get 4% in cash or 4.3% in the market. will knock yourself out, except for one thing. Nick talks about these numbers that are reported from The economists. The key word here is real. In other words, after inflation. So when you say excuse me, 4.3%, that's 4.3% after inflation, on top of inflation, in other words. So be careful how you compare that. Ram?
0: Yeah. Um, <coughs> yeah, I, I mean, in a world of hyperabundance, I'd probably be after mm. things that are scarce. Um, I'll, let, yeah. I'll let people fill in the blank as to what they feel is scarce <laughs> there and, and will yeah. remain so. But but it, the thing is it's very easy to look at our at our past and to mm-hmm. a past that seems to stretch back a long way and just extrapolate forward. But I think when you take a broader view of things, um, you, you, you realize that things tend to advance in steps and not in a smooth upward fashion. Mm. There's this great, uh, I really like guys, uh, YouTube channel called Kurskisart, out um, um, in a nutshell, and they did this really interesting – it's almost like an artistic piece where they just <laughs> said, here's the history of the earth. We're just going <laughs> to make each second worth 10 million years or oh, something wow. like that. Oh, Yeah, okay. And nothing happens. Like <laughs> for 48 minutes. And they sort of throw in some facts and stuff. Like yeah, – no, yeah. Like, like, you know billions of years and then we get single cell life right and guess what happens after yep. that yep. nothing happens for yep. like another 18 minutes and then multi cell <laughs> and then this and then that and it's just like we are we are brand new you, cool. you you don't like that's on a that's on geological sort of time yeah. frames right yeah. but i think even even within the human sphere so human civilization probably dates back 10 12,000 years we've been around as a species much longer than that but sort of agriculture <laughs> and stuff started then yeah. and again Nothing happened for the longest of times. And 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 you you to your to, to David's point, right? Like mm-hmm. your great 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 grandfather and your great 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 grandchild had the exact same life, the exact yes, same yes. technical, technological environment yep. that you had. And we get to a stage now where a phone from five years ago is is old tech, right? Like mm-hmm. it is it is it, I may have used this, this analogy recently, but I mean, exponentials break your brain. If you yes. fold a piece of paper 42 times, <laughs> it'll get to the moon. Yeah. Right. If you fold it a 52 times further, it'll, 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 it'll cover the entire observable universe piece of paper. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's two to the 52, uh, two to the, sorry, two to the 94, mm-hmm. uh, uh, whatever, like, you know, Two millimeters, one millimeter. We are, it's a big number. Extraordinary, right? isn't it? Yeah,
1: it's and, extraordinary. And
0: and that is that is kind of where we at. Now the, the reason being is that knowledge and know-how are cumulative. Like they they advance on one another. And this is this is where I start to get really Excited? If oh, scared? I don't. I don't know. One of those. Both. <laughs> both. Whatever the yeah. word. I'm sure the Germans have a word for meaning excited and scared at the same time. <laughs> <They will too. laughs> you know I they absolutely will. would. Absolutely. Brilliant language. Um, but that's what I am. And uh, <laughs> uh, I just as you were talking. All right. I've got my WhatsApp open on my phone. A friend sent through an article, um, and it says millions of new materials discovered with deep learning. So an AI tool called Genome G N O M E found 2.2 million new crystal structures. <laughs> all stable, all have potential uh, applications, whether from solar uh, cells to computer That's chips. So cool! You know, and like this is, and and what I'm what I'm getting at here is is that it's this cross pollination, yeah, uh, element. So you you can understand my example go to is always with you can understand lift dynamics perfectly. Mm. Uh, you still can't build a, a jumbo jet without <laughs> a thorough understanding of material science, right, right. and the very lightweight strength. Tensile properties of aluminium, right? Like it's just sort of breakthroughs in re- areas that are really unrelated um, uh, can can spur change and advancement. In, in completely different disciplines. There are computer programmers today employing algorithms that were discovered as a curiosity for a 16th century <laughs> aristocrat mathematician that came up with it for fun. Isn't this a cool mathematical quirk? Oh, yeah, it's interesting when zero practical applications. Oh, mm-hmm. in terms that we can fold proteins with that or you know, this is an elegant solution for this and that. This is kind of what's happened since the Thank since you. the Renaissance and the scientific awakening. We've we've rapidly advanced our knowledge. The trouble mm. that we hit is that we got to a point now um, where. You can't be you can't be a generalist. There is too much information. Even if you want to devote your entire life to chemistry, that's too broad a, a description. You need to be organic or inorganic. Actually, even within that, you need to be with this specialization. It's, it's too big. Mm. And then we invented AI and machine learning, which who's who's who like eats big data sets for breakfast. So it feels as though we are rapid, and like we are at a point where actually. We've got the data, we've got the material. Now we've got the way to synthesize it and combine that in really novel and interesting ways. And like, it's going to be wild, right? Like, it, uh, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to sort of be a starry-eyed uh, techno optimist <laughs> here because it could be really dark as well. When In fact, when you have the majority of the, the world-leading experts saying eh, this is something to worry about, maybe maybe we should you know pay it. attention. Yeah. But but my point, my point being is is that it is it is very wrong to my mind, even to say 2010 to 2020, let's extrapolate that pace of change or whatever. I, I think you step back and we get to a point where things just like, I I can't imagine what the world looks like when my kids are 56, you know, like it's, it's, it's beyond my comprehension to even bother to try and, and do it. You, you see that, sorry, Matt is the long, is the long rant, but this, this is, right. you see it when you, um, with futurists, uh, from the past make predictions. Mm -hmm. And I I read this book that I found when I was backpacking around Thailand and found in a book, just called the third wave or something like that. And it made all these really cool predictions of the future. And they were just so far off the mark, right? Look at what, Look at what they thought space travel was going to be like when they put Star Trek <laughs> together. You know, you're using dials yeah. and knobs yeah. and levers. Yeah, They're, exactly. You exactly. know, they didn't even get the touch screen right, let alone a gazillion other things. <laughs> and it's it's well, they did get some things that were pretty right. But you know, my my point being is that at the time they were very sensible sort of assumptions, and so we could sit here. In fact, we could we could mm. get together the best minds that are out there. And say, what do you think the next? What's the world look like in fifty yeah, years? That's right. And I would guarantee you that it's not just that they were wrong in the timing of things, in the direction of things, but the the biggest thing was completely not even imagined, right? Like it just. It's a it very
1: just, it's a, yeah.
0: Yeah, and and I don't, I don't know what to make of that. It, it does mean that investing is a lot harder. It I, honestly, I I do think that. Um, this is why it's probably increasingly important to have a, a ETF allocation because it's mm. it's just a very broad bet. Look at look at the magnificent seven over in the US. Seven tech stocks holding up the entire market. Mm. If you are a stock picker and you didn't get any of those, you are doing terribly, relatively at least. You know, in some cases, absolutely uh, t- uh, terribly. And what's going to be you know the magnificent five or six or seven or whatever happens to be you know when we look when we look back in the year twenty thirty three. I don't know. At least I know with an ETF yeah, I'm going to right. I'm going to get some of it, get right? Get my share. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Anyway, sorry, went all over the place then. We've got no, we possibly questions.
1: Beautifully done, mate. I like it a lot. This is um it, it is the challenge of forecasting. Uh ETF as Andrew says, look at businesses fundamentals. I think they're all those things are all true. Mm. Um be be humble. It's probably the be other thing humble. I think I'd, I'd be say humble. right just don't yes. and that goes to everything. I have really high conviction on this thing. Okay, but maybe you're still wrong. So be humble. If yes. that means lower allocation, that means more diversification. That means ETFs. That means whatever. Do what do we need to do to stay humble? Because um, you better find un- here's here's the uncomfortable truth. You better find underperforming than going back to zero because you had a oh, high conviction yes. bet that went badly. Right. Yes. So just you know that, that's the that's the bottom line. Let's move on, mate. Just I we'll spend the entire time uh, talking about it. One from Andrew okay. who says. Good day, Mr. Phillips and Mr. Rant Page Esquire. That's right, Andrew. I have a query for the podcast machine. And Brax says, that's right. We the people like the podcast machine. They do. I'm in touch with the people. Let's lean into uh, I, that. Andrew says, I dollar cost average. I mean, no, it's not you because you wouldn't say that. Uh, yeah. Andrew says, I dollar cost average every month into about 20 individual stocks. I've been doing this for about three years now and I'm starting to see my efforts bear fruit. Well done. However I always struggle with what guardrails to put around my investments to prevent me from becoming overly concentrated. What I have been doing is skipping over my investments that have grown to be over 5% of my portfolio. As volatility moves things around, I like, I feel like this has made me buy more of stocks that are cheaper on a nominal basis, which I think is great. Early in one's investment journey as you need to give the investment thesis time to play out. As the years go by, he says, I'm afraid of what i might I'm afraid what I might be doing is not adding to my winners, but only adding to my losers by default. How do you, gentlemen, prevent yourselves from becoming too concentrated, while also ensuring that you add to your winners? Kind of goes. Uh, that there's a nice corollary to what we were just saying then, mate. Uh, what do you reckon?
0: Uh, uh, adding, I adding to,
1: stop adding to anything over five percent. Adding to the others.
0: What's what's your thought? Uh, I want to give the standard answer, but. I'm not. I'm going to give my answer, which is, I think five percent is way too low a threshold, way too low. Um, and it depends on the style of investor you are. Like if everything you've got are very mature, quote unquote blue chip businesses, that's probably something. Mm-hmm. I e there's not there's not the opportunity. We, we can sing the praises of Woolies all day long. You know, <laughs> it's never going to sustain. 10 15% compound annual growth rate in its earnings. It's just not right. So, so, so the spectrum of possibilities tends to be a little bit smaller. So, if that started to become incredibly overweight because the PE went to 50. I'd be very, yeah, you know, worried about that. If I'm looking at earlier stage, I'm not even saying spec, I'm certainly not saying speculative. In fact, if I'm just saying companies that are that have a lot more growth potential, mm. um, for me personally, that has been a massive mistake taking a profit and overthinking portfolio allocations. And then I've, I've, I've um, whined about that many times on the podcast. There is obviously a point where it makes sense because you, you can get to a point where it's 90% of your portfolio is in this one thing. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, it, bro, you might have a super high conviction, but there's always the black swan and, and the rest of it. So I guess depending on your style, I would say 5% is too low. Right. I would say, The other dimension, two dimensions to look through, um, one is conviction. So if I have a investment that is 30% of my portfolio, but I'm really high conviction on it, like I just, I, I have never been more confident about the outlook of the, for the asset. Um, I'm not too uncomfortable with that as long as the second pillar of that, which is value is, is reasonable. I'm not going to use the word cheap cause it's probably unlikely to be mm-hmm. so, but reasonable. Yeah. Um, if, if I've, again, so just to make up some numbers, if I had a 30% position in something and I thought the value was not s- silly and the conviction was really high, me personally, I'm not uncomfortable with that. Here's, we should do a bit of a reflection on Charlie Munger for one of these upcoming prerecords. Um, uh Vale Charlie, he was he was uh he, 99 mm. and and out uh, a couple of weeks ago. But but he made he's got so many great quotes, but I'm not gonna I'm gonna paraphrase because I can't remember the wording, but a good idea is rare. Full stop. It's yep. certainly in case in investing. You don't <laughs> you and I spend all my every day looking and hunting for turning over rocks, correct, trying correct. to find trying to find the next whatever Pro Medicus yep. or Amazon yep. or whatever it happens to be. Um they're ex- they're like hens teeth. They're yeah. really, 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 really rare, and so when you do find one, and if you're diligent, you will, and you buy it, and you put, oh, I'm really high conviction. I love it. Finally, I'm going to swing big. I'm putting five percent <laughs> of my portfolio into it. Doubles yep. to ten percent. Go, mm, and I'm out. Like you, you will regret that. I I would imagine in a lot of cases, or, or you yeah. will potentially regret that if your conviction seems proves to be well founded. Because yeah, I well put. you are you, you, never going to you're never going to have that. L- oh, I've got to be careful with my language here. Um, we we shouldn't be looking for the 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 moonshot. Moonshot investing is very dangerous. <laughs> but <laughs> but you're definitely never going to get that moonshot wealth creation opportunity if all you do is continually trim down your position. Yeah. And 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 in reweighting, you are by definition allocating into lower conviction ideas. So you're watering the weeds and you're weeding the flowers. Mm-hmm. So I don't have it. don't have a specific formula to use, but I would say, and I say this from brutal experience, <laughs> is is don't overthink it because your valuation is a guess, right? Um, things. On the upside and downside, last longer than you think is possible and they go further <laughs> than you think could ever be achieved. It, it, it just does. You're know, like, it look how ridiculous true. this is. And then it triples, yep. right? Like it, yeah, yeah, there yeah. are melt ups and there are meltdowns. <laughs> so I guess I guess what I'm saying is is yeah, be be more relaxed with it, but just just look through those lenses of of conviction and uh and value. Like it, mate. I
1: like it a lot. I um I'm going to take a slightly different approach, not to yours necessarily, just to kind of add some different uh, different angle. Um, the other thing I think it's worth thinking about, Nick, is you're talking about 20 stocks you're adding to and that number seems reasonably arbitrary and I think you're right about letting the thesis play out and you're right about dollar cost averaging in some of those companies. I think that's absolutely true. I think if you went 40 years and you only invested in those 20 companies, you've probably got an issue. <laughs> um, the other thing I, I think though, just keeping yourself true to your 20 best ideas, if 20 is the right number for you in your portfolio, then your 20 best ideas rather than just the 20 you've already got. And what you might find over time is you're not necessarily watering your weeds if it's if you're adding better ideas each time. In other words, even if you put a number, whether it's 5 or 10 or something else percent, and you say, I already earned 10% of this, I'm not going to add any more, but I'll buy something else. If it was one of your arbitrary 19 others and five of them were already at 5% and you know. Six are already over that, and so you've got seven less to choose from, and you you choose that le- you know, the the least worst of the seven, then you're absolutely, I think, to will point making a mistake. I, I think uh, okay, we can't tell you what you should do, so I shouldn't use those words, otherwise ASIC will be very unhappy. Someone at position might be making a mistake, put it that way. Uh, but but I think if you if you if you kind of draw it a bit further through though, and you kind of go, okay, I added to my best ideas plural. Um, I don't know, you know, Rand's right about not being overly specific. That said, if you've got five great ideas. The chance that are all over 5% or 10%, whatever number you choose, and you can't have any of them, maybe might be a little bit lighter than otherwise you might think. Um, and you've got to keep adding money after that, right? So that's the other thing is 5% now versus 5% of the final portfolio in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years' time is also a very, very different number. So I'd be I'd be slow to be arbitrary on this stuff. I definitely wouldn't be so clearly arbitrary that you're uncomfortable. I will also – let me just share this around for fun um, – I run a, a Motley Fault, I wasn't going to mention this, but it just came to mind. I run a, a portfolio service, the Motley Fault. It's called Motley Fault Odyssey, right? It's not an ad. Um, if you want to join, you can join later. I think it was open for joining now anyway, so it's not an ad. Um, but I'm just going to quickly log into the site, mate, and pull up the, the portfolio because I, I just want to, I guess, share for the sake of um, the, uh, you know, how, how I think about it. So this is a portfolio I run on behalf of our members. Uh, basically, we run the portfolio. Members can follow it if they want to. That's kind of why they join. We don't manage their money. Um, our largest position is eight percent. Second largest is eight percent. Third largest is seven. Uh, fourth largest is six and a half, and it goes down from there. Now, that's that's relatively early on. This portfolio has only been going for about eight months. Um, it's already at that. In fact, we added to the top two positions relatively recently. Uh, so that's that, that's us. I'm not saying you should do it, not do it that way. I'm just saying that's what I've been comfortable doing. To your point, Ram, about you know it, it, what, what worries me a little bit, Nick, is if you say, well, hang on, five percent each. You've got 20 positions you're kind of already doing the maths for you. You're maximising each one each one's going to end up being 5% eventually anyway because that's how you're going to manage the portfolio. You're going to keep adding to those that are less than that until you eventually kind of push them all up to that. That is that is absolutely watering your weeds. If, you're, if your worst position is down 95% uh, and, uh, you know, it's the 20th one and you, you're only going to have those 20 and all the, the big ones are already winning, so you're saying, well, okay, I'll add to those ones at the bottom, you are literally, you know, chasing those losers. If you have 20 great companies, great, but to Ram's point before, there's only seven odd in the US that are doing really well. Adding to the 20th best idea in that market might be fine, but probably, you know, you'll do better off adding to one that's doing well. That's very short term. I don't want to draw too long a bow on that one because things will change and next year the Magnificent might have terrible periods. Remember the FANG stocks we talked about and there's others before that and, you know, it's a little bit marketing. The nifty-fifty if you want to go back far enough. Yes, exactly, right. So, um, I, I don't mind you being comfortable about what the right size is. If five percent feels uncomfortable for you, then by all means do that. Um, I would just encourage you to have, not have just twenty stocks. If, that's, if your biggest is only ever going to be five percent, I know you're not going to sell down. You're going to let it run. But let's let's assume that you know maybe a couple go to ten or fifteen because they do really really well. The others probably don't. So you know, in that just just the sheer maths of that suggests that five twenties or twenty fives it's kind of a little bit too close for comfort for me. You're going you kind to of end up with what you're setting out to do. The 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 outcomes always defined by the by the structure you choose to use, which is you'll end up with even positions in evenish positions in most of those. Now, math nerds don't at me. I know it won't be exactly the same for many different reasons. You get the idea, though. You're kind of setting up this structure where it's you know twenty by five. Um, mm. I would I would encourage you to think more about yeah. Don't don't make it fifteen or twenty percent if you don't want to. But more than five is probably okay as long as you're investing wisely and diversifying. Um, but also don't limit yourself just to 20. Uh, have 20 in total if you want, but don't have the only 20 you start with is I guess my, my key
0: point. Yeah. Um, I, I, hate, I hate to keep um, uh, coming back to uh, these questions because they're just the two 2 two we've had a really good one. So they're yeah, worth expanding they? on a little bit. Don't answer this if you don't want to. I really don't mean to put you on the spot. Go for um, it. But what's, you want. what's the largest – Waiting, you've ever had, not not now, but, but yep. throughout your career. Oh, Where, that's a good question. What, what is the highest you ever got to?
1: Oh, man. I actually don't know that that number, mate. I would suspect it's almost certainly going to be Berkshire. Uh, mm-hmm. Corporate travel for a little bit got up, but it kind of fell back again. So it probably Are we isn't talking quite 20, 30, 50, uh, 60? Oh, so no, it won't have been that high. Oh, would Berkshire have been? Berkshire could well have been more than half at some point, yeah. Uh, of all I mean, the things to be overweight in, up. like yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's, not the, it's not the most exciting example of you know uh, corporate travel. I I had, I want to say I had over twenty percent of my portfolio on corporate travel at one point. My ASX portfolio, sorry, I not include my US, so yeah, whatever. Yeah, that that was pretty high. Um, corporate travel and 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 Berkshire would be the only two that were genuinely possibles. Um, I will say, just for the fun of it, now I'm looking at my my uh, US portfolio. I'm just pulling it up as we as we chat. Um, so, Berkshire is currently um, – hang on. Well, you're looking. Riveting. riveting. Uh, Berkshire is 70% of my US portfolio, 68.9% of my US portfolio. Yep. Uh, and my US portfolio is about half of my total. So, there you go. Okay. Berkshire is probably about a third of my investments.
0: Okay. Um, you? 70%. Off. Yeah. You win. Yeah. By a long uh, way. Nice yeah. One. Uh, overall, in in fact, I'm not far off it at the moment. And right. yeah, it, it, it is, you've got to be careful to learn the right lessons. I think. <laughs> yes, you do. With investing, there's a, because we've talked about this a lot, you can do the wrong thing and be rewarded. You can do the right thing and be punished. Yeah. And totally so right. so uh, you, you have an experience and you go, oh, I'm never doing that again. Mm, it's like, mm. well, no, no, no. You might've actually done the right thing. <laughs> just just been unlucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote. I, I lamented on this with members recently. With um, I don't want to give the stock away because it's too illiquid, but there's a, a, a the, one of the top ranked stocks within our community has doubled recently. Mm. Oh, nice! And a lot of yeah, it's no, it's great, right? Um, but but we all sort of had these. Oh, well, I shouldn't include other people in this because other people are smarter and better than me. But I ha- I certainly had a valuation that's around the current price when it was lower, when it was half the price, right? Because right? right. it felt yeah. Yeah. it felt excessive. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. to put a valuation, <laughs> yeah. you know, that is seriously true. So I curve it yep. yep. I, I know what I'm doing, I'm, I'm fully cognizant of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm, I'm going, mm-hmm. um, thumbsuck, thumbsuck, thumbsuck earnings, da-da-da-da-da. come up with a valuation, and like a dollar 83. It's like, is it really, is it really 20 fold? Is, is it, a, is it, is it that much undervalued by the market? Like, the market's dumb, right? Is not that dumb. So you, so you can, well, so I, so I, I peel back some assumptions, and with anyone who's ever done any valuation modeling, will know that it's very sensitive. So you can, you can mm. change a sort of a few different things, and, and things will move around a lot. And I do it because I'm anchoring on the market price. So anyway, now the market price has doubled. It's hit my mm. valuation. Now again, I just because it's at the valuation, by my definition, it's not overvalued. It's but it's fair valued. But but I was making an allocation based on the fact that I thought it was it was worth at least twice as much as what it was. So yeah. what did I do? I went in there, I twiddled the knobs, and now I've got a <laughs> valuation that's a little <laughs> bit higher. Yeah, do you see what I'm doing? I'm, I totally do. Yep. I, and 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 this is this is the other thing to to be aware of, where in order to you will you will have these urges that pretty much are emotionally based. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I want more mm-hmm. of this. It, I saw a great comment from Ian Castle on Twitter the other day. She loved it, loved it, loved it. I'm going to totally steal it. Which is <laughs> when shares are going up, all you can think of is the upside. How high yes. can it get? Yes. When absolutely. things are going down, all you think of is the downside. <laughs> yeah. How much, how low is it going to go? <laughs> That's right. Do you know what I mean? Yep, correct. So yeah. so now that this thing is going, I was like, huh? Well, it could go there <laughs> and this and that. And as I put it, and so and so and I've done this before where as the yeah. market price exceeded my value, I didn't want to sell, right? Yeah. I wanted more. Find reasons to hang on. Yeah, And absolutely. I found reasons and I convinced absolutely. myself through some intellectual trickery, oh, if I just yep. adjust this and that still seems reasonable and this. And and I even don't know that as I say this, I don't know that I've been wrong in doing this with this particular company because it feels like, well, actually, since I penned that valuation, we've seen genuine mm. progress in the business. Yeah. It was always hyper conservative. In fact, I haven't. I haven't really tweaked things too much to get a valuation that still suggests that this is mm-hmm. this is uh, good value. Yep. But I guess I just – I tell the story just to sort of uh, acknowledge how diabolically difficult <laughs> all of this kind of stuff is. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm getting up there, man. I so I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at uh, my share site at the moment, just going. <laughs> I really should do something about that. But again, it it, it has been my biggest regret in investing. Um, yep. with, with with trying to take profit, you never go broke taking a profit. It's the stupidest saying ever. Mm-hmm. And and um, yeah, I I still have super high conviction. I still think it's super undervalued. So i feel like, I should probably hold, but. <laughs> but, it, but, yeah, it's up there. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't have an easy answer or, uh, other than to say, I see you. I, <laughs> I hear I you. It. I acknowledge <laughs> you. <laughs> Motley full Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener.
1: It's a question from Scott for you. We've had an Andrew
0: and now we've had a Scott. This is a bit of sus.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, you'll know this one's not from me. Hey, Scott, I've got a question for the pod. In fact, the question is mainly for the straw man himself, but I hear he is exclusively on Twitter or X or whatever it is, and I just don't have the time to engage on that platform. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing, he says. An apology, Scott. The question relates to Bitcoin. So you know it's not coming from me. (laughs) And then he says, sorry, I've just taken up half your podcast. Possibly. Anyway, I've listened At intently least. to Andrew's thesis on Bitcoin the last few years, and it caused me to do some research myself. Talk about a rabbit hole. Oh my After gosh. I could explain it to my wife in my own words, I finally took the plunge, she says in brackets, with her permission, on a small percentage in my portfolio earlier this year. So far, this seems to have been a good short-term investment, but I know it's likely to be a rocky ride ahead. So my question for Andrew is this. Does he have an ideal percentage of his portfolio that Bitcoin takes up? And should Bitcoin go to the moon, albeit possibly briefly, he says, would he rebalance the same way he would with a small cap stock that might do the same thing, where it takes up an excessive percentage of the portfolio? Comes nicely on the back of the question we just asked. (laughs) Or does he consider this investment almost outside his portfolio and will just let it run? Keep up the good work, lads, from another Scotty P. Huh. There you go, to Scott P. Uh, you know this one's not from me, mate. Obviously, so yes. uh, no, no, no worries. That Dorothy Dix is here. Uh, I, am, I am contractually obliged to mention straw man. I'm not contractually obliged to ask Bitcoin questions, <laughs> and I will refuse to sign that contract. Uh, but uh, mate, what do you, It's a good question. And we just talked about percentage allocation. So, mm. in the context of that, this is partly a Bitcoin question, partly a general investing question. But Scott's question at the end is probably the one that got got my attention, which is do you consider it the same way you consider other stocks? How, how do you think about it? How much would be too much? Not in absolute percentages, but have you got a view about if it got to this price or if it got to this weighting or, you, you know, how, how do you think about the exposure to Bitcoin in the context of your overall uh, financial portfolio, not just not just stocks?
0: Yeah, I'm, I might go against the, the consensus here. I, I Whether it's uh, an equity, uh, fixed interest investment, um, uh, uh, Bitcoin, an emu farm, a Picasso. I, I <laughs> yeah. mean, they're all investment. Like they're all you're,
1: just just quietly. You're the one who had bracketed Bitcoin, emu farms, and Picasso. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm going to leave that there. I, just, I had to make mention. talk. <laughs> but but I mean, I've only got so much capital, right? Yeah. And and yeah. any any time I make an investment, it it it's, it precludes it from being elsewhere. Yeah. So I just think you know I know the industry loves to sort of put these things in these artificial buckets, <laughs> but each, every yeah. investment I make, regardless of whether it ha- is of the same type or not, is about where is the best use for my limited capital? Yeah. You know, um, is it in is it in Bitcoin or is it in a share or is it in my own home? Uh, mm-hmm. Or, or yep. is it in, in my, my hot rod in the garage because I just happen to be, a, not me, but you know, maybe I'm a massive uh, motorhead and I love that kind of stuff. So I, I don't distinguish at all is the first one. Um, the percent allocation, I'm certainly not going to offer a number uh, other than right. to say that that number will be reflective of your conviction. And I started off pretty small and it's not <laughs> pretty small anymore. Partly it's 150% gain this year or a little bit nice. more. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, oh, but I'm not – look, I'm not – I don't put that out there to go, ha, ah, because yeah. because yeah. it's not my first rodeo. We, the, the moment I go, <laughs> look how clever I am, is the moment it drops <laughs> in exactly. half. So I'm I am not doing exactly. that. But I'm not selling either. and oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, no, not even close. If it selling. doubled again, would you sell? No. Nah. If
1: it tripled, would you sell? No. Nah. At that point, it's got to be a meaningful portion of your portfolio. I mean, it, just on pure weighting, assuming Bitcoin grows faster than shares. It's a pretty it, sizable chunk. I'll right, that's you know, what I'm but, saying. Yeah. Is there a percentage allocation which you would say prudently the upside doesn't you – Yeah, know, we talked about going to zero. We talked about being prudent or, or being humble. Yeah. Uh, at what point do you kind of look at that and go – even if I thought it was still got got legs here, the chance that I'm wrong and it does me serious mortal financial
0: damage is too big. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 an excellent question, and it it's something that is going to sound really reckless. But I I, I would say that again, it it is a function of your understanding, and I we mm. we do not. Believe you, you don't, you don't need to take my word for it. We do not have time to get into it. But, <laughs> but once, you, once you really start to wrap your head around it, it, it doesn't seem that crazy. You just said before, I've got 30% of my money in, in a single stock. Mm. Now, that statement said by itself... It's like, hmm, <laughs> Scott, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. And then you said, oh, it's yeah. Berkshire Hathaway. And you go, oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Right? Because because Berkshire Hathaway itself is incredibly diversified. It has yep. an incredibly strong. So all of a sudden you've got two people, both who may have 30% of their portfolio in a in a stock. Mm. One of it might be Mesoblast, which is a – Pre-re- you know very much more speculative come the other one's one of the biggest conglomerate or the biggest conglomerate in the world and insanely <laughs> profitable so they're not they're not the same thing and and so I, look all I would say is you the fun and know this is gonna this is gonna grate a lot of people as well but the fundamentals <laughs> of Bitcoin have only strengthened right mm-hmm. Very significantly so. And so, why am I selling? Because the price has gone up a little bit. Like, no, I'm not. No, it's it's the the the, the investment thesis has has gotten a, a lot stronger. And this is going to break your brain. Broke mine. In almost every investment you can make, the more the price goes up, the more the value goes down. By definitionally, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is what you might call a Veblen good, in the sense that the higher the price goes, the more utility it has. So, Bitcoin's worth a dollar a coin. The whole network is worth twenty-one million. It's it's maybe it's good to to buy some weed on Silk Road with. Okay, that that I can do that. That's all I can do. Can I transfer? Can I remit money internationally as a corporation? Not, not, no, nothing that's going to be of, of worth. Now, just 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 for the thought exercise, it's a million dollars a coin, right? So it's a like now you've got it to a level where it, it can actually support right. the the rails of international um, settlement. Right, yeah. like it, it can do international transactions. It it becomes incredibly useful, and you can you can be Berkshire Hathaway, put your entire treasury into it, and not even have enough, and that liquidity not even be enough to shift the price too much. So this is this is what I think a lot of people miss with this as a monetary good. Mm. It's very different. We see it actually all the time now. If I wanted to, if 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 Australia, if whatever, for whatever reason, the RBA said actually we've got a bunch of us and yen and euro <laughs> let's get a bunch of congolese currency whatever that is and let's do that i mean it is not enough there on the open market you would distort markets massively it can't be done right but 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 if the Cong- for whatever reason the world started to increasingly transact on that thing it it hmm. its exchange rate between particular currencies change but yeah. the utility goes up a lot so i ain't selling I, I, I look, I'll put it this way. As long as adoption continues to increase, mm. as long as the, as long, which is really the main one, as long as the utility inc- continues to increase, I ain't doing a damn thing. The moment that that starts to fall over or look shaky, let's have a conversation. <laughs> but at this point, <laughs> it's never looked better. 15, 15 years on and, you know, Ponzi's, Ponzi's Bernie Madoff is not starting his fund again, right? Like once a Ponzi <laughs> is discovered, it's gone. Uh, yeah. Once, a, once no, no one's buying tulips anymore, right? Um, uh, the, 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 this, there's a wonderful website called "Is Bitcoin Dead Yet" or something like that. And it, just, <laughs> it just it just it just plots all the time that the media has done it. This is anyway. You've got me on my favorite topic and I'm going to shut up and just answer it by saying, no, I'm not selling and you should have as much exposure as you're comfortable to hold and that comfort will be a direct, directly correlated to your understanding and conviction of what it is. And I think for most people when you look at it and they go, oh, it's just – some magic internet money. Well, why would you, you shouldn't, If that and I'm want to criticize that view, by the way, if that's your view, you shouldn't have anything in it, right? Like why, why would you, you you're not going to have any conviction when, when the volatility sort of comes. Yeah. But if you understand it a bit more than that, I would, I've, I've said to you before on the pods that we've done, I, I feel in the year almost 2024, if you don't have at least a 1% allocation, you need to, you need to you need to have a look in the mirror. I, I, I would, I would, I would humbly suggest you are the person in 1998 saying the internet is just somewhere where nerds can discuss Picard versus Kirk and it has no utility. That, that's the person that you are at this point. And 1% is that kind of allocation where it's sort of like, aha, uh-huh, it's all silly and, you know, it was never going to last. Well, it's not going to, it's a daily fluctuation on the market, right? It's nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, you might be glad you did.
1: Very good. Obviously, uh, Picard. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Actually,
1: I, 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 massive tangent for sheer fun of it. If anyone listening is a Star Trek fan at all, uh, uh, Patrick Stewart has just released his autobiography. And I'll just do an audible, so the audio version, which is just because he obviously narrates it himself. Brilliant. So just to, if you if you're even slightly into kind of, you know, Star Trek and just just stuff, you know It he seems like a nice enough guy and talk you know, speaks nicely and great great backstory, all that kind of stuff. So check out uh, I think it's called Making It So From Memory. Um check check it out. Really, really, really cool one. I, I, I am mean, a tricky from
0: way back, mate. There's so. some really great narration artists. Yes. Uh from from the Star Trek uh school. Like Leonard Nimoy, just fan, fantastic. Um, oh, what's the other one. Oh there's there's a bunch there's a bu- they're, they're, they're often done it I've gone blank I can't I'm kicking myself now it'll come to me in a in a moment <laughs> and of course I have to give a special shout out to William Shatner's uh spoken form uh <laughs> song lyrics just <laughs> very special Oh uh,
1: it's a um William Shatner's an interesting bloke yes. of David Hasselhoff there's there's some, something about the kind of former <laughs> celebrities I take themselves quite seriously as, as seriously as they might and you can't ever quite tell how much yes. is is fair to go and how much is is not so Leave, uh, leave that there and make of that what you will. Hey, um, <laughs> let's move on from, from reminiscing about uh, Star Trek Captain's past, present and future. Uh, why don't we... Uh, by the way, the card series, also very good. Um, let's go yes. to a question from Dan who says, Discord Andrew, loving the pod. I've asked a few questions over the years, but not since you have upgraded to the podcast machine. Uh-huh. So I thought I would give it a whirl. Welcome back, Dan. I'm one of your New Zealand listeners. He says, I have two questions. One... Consider you were looking at buying your first home. To form a deposit, you could use your savings and a combination of either one, selling shares from your portfolio of shares which you have picked, or two, using your Kiwi Saver, which is similar to Australian Super, which excuse me, is made up of ETFs, both having similar amounts available. What would you do and why? And he just adds: FYI in New Zealand, first home buyers can withdraw their Kiwi Saver to go towards deposit for their first home. Uh, so two two allocations of, of capital. One your own uh, savings account. Uh, you got so your own investment account. Sorry, you pick shares or uh, another account which just has ETFs. Which one do you sell and why?
0: Uh, I'm going to assume that the one in the the, the uh, Kiwi saver maybe has some tax advantages. Mm. Two, I don't know the the Kiwi law. Sorry, if that's the case, it feels like and you're in profit on your holdings, if you can minimize some tax, I think yeah. that probably feels about right to me. Um, if you're more worried about the types of investment under each vehicle, I mean, you can always press a few buttons on your smartphone and reallocate, you know, maybe just proportionally sell down and, and on the direct holdings and, and add some ETFs to your, to your personal account. Mm. That, that's yeah. another uh, possibility. But, yeah, you might know a bit more than me about – about the, the situation um, across the Tasman there Do, is, is there is there some other reason that you might favour one or the other
1: mate that's a very good question um, I, I was going to avoid doing bad Kiwi accents but I will talk about investing across the Dutch just because it makes me happy to <laughs> say Dutch um, so my apologies Dan and other Kiwi listeners who are now switching off in their droves <laughs> Um uh, by the way, one of my favourite movies, The World's Fastest Indian, Anthony Hopkins, but playing in New Zealand. Uh, oh, yes, that was a, good movie. a speed, limit, uh, speed record, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, coming back. Oh, by the way, John Clark, also fantastic Kiwi. Nice. Um, yes, I. so you're right. Actually, those are exactly the two categories I would be talking about. So one is what sorts of investments. The other is is the tax advantages. I also don't know um, KiwiSaver rules particularly well, but what I would suggest is uh, Swing so of Charlie, we we did do a bit on Charlie on Friday, uh, but do you talk about never interrupting compounding unnecessarily? And that that idea of particularly in a tax advantage way, <laughs> I think I would again. So so huge 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 disclaimer here. Now the Ram and I are tax accountants, or particularly familiar with a Kiwi Saver. Yes. So please 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 consider everything here. Um, I would raid my tax advantaged account last. Because not only is the value of compounding huge, the value of compounding tax-advantagedly, which isn't actually a word, in a tax-advantaged way, also huge. And oh, yeah. co- combine those together, yep. um, I mean, look, you know, think, think about super combat at 15% for 40 years versus you know paying taxes at something higher than that for the same period of time. The the extra returns you would need outside super to combat the difference, it's just huge. Mm. So uh, not we're saying I don't know enough about KiwiSaver specifically, uh, I would absolutely go for the uh non-tax advantaged account first so you're like when you're paying, when you're paying off interest right you you, you want to have tax deductible interest more than non-deductible so if you're going to pay off debts f- more quickly you pay off the debts that are non-deductible because you get the deduction on what's left right so it's kind of the same in reverse um i absolutely think that's the right approach to to go about it so again i don't know KiwiSaver, saver i don't know what you should do but if to the extent KiwiSaver saver is a tax advantaged compounding machine i would absolutely take that money out last more than even the choice of investments, mate, because mm. the chance you can outperform with stock selection at a rate which exceeds a ta- tax advantage. Like Take superannuation. Um, I like to think I'm half good at picking stocks. I like to think you're half good at picking stocks. You and I can't beat the tax advantages with with investment returns. You just you just can't do it to be able to to firstly in a guaranteed fashion. i.e. you know the tax advantage there. You don't know how good your stock picking is going to be, so start there. Um, I don't think I could pick stocks reliably year in year out, and have a return that was exceeding the return you get from the tax advantages of superannuation. So, to the extent that's true for KiwiSaver, I would I would choose the same approach. Uh, Dan, second so, question. So just he- just, just
0: on that though, because that's complete opposite of what I because I said if you do it, if you sell in your super, yep, you will you will have. The tax advantage of not necessarily, because uh, again, we don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, Do you yep. know what I mean? So it's a bit. Deb- you're you're uh, just. I tease that apart because it's an important distinction there. Because yes. listeners may be going, "Wait a sec," you both said the opposite thing. <laughs> <right."> <laughs> yeah, we are saying different things. Yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> and it's not that I would. even would say, well, you're right and I'm wrong, or vice versa. Yep. It's. It's just like like what I was suggesting is it minimizes the tax burden now. You're suggesting yeah. minimizing the tax burden later, and yes. you're also rightly saying with with the benefit of a decade or two or three or four of, of compounding, that may be eventually a much bigger tax saving as well.
1: That, that's my that's my best guess that, yeah, the, I mean, again, just pick two tax rates in Australia, right? If you paid 30% tax on your own name and 15% tax in super on just picking those two tax rates mm. uh, every single year uh, and you do that for decades when in theory you're going to compound your money, you're not just compound it, but, you know, we've said a million times uh, there was a 13-fold return over the last 30 years in Australian shares. So the gain on that is the 12-fold increase. You're taxing either 15 or 30%. The chance you can invest better in your own name outside that, that the, the investment choice beats the tax savings is really small. So I would happily say if you only chose ETFs at KiwiSaver but you get a meaningfully lower tax rate compound for 40 years, I, you're right, we are saying different things because I would absolutely take that. I, I'd pay a little bit of tax now um, and let the super compound at a, at a tax advantage rate for decades. Future Dan... I think we'll end up realizing there's more money to be made by doing that paying a little bit more tax today and keeping that money inside kiwi saver for decades if it assuming it is tax advantaged and it may not be um but if it is certainly if the same was true for super and those options were available to me uh, i would sell my own portfolio pay whatever tax i owed kind of kick the can and you know annoyed and yell at the government and shake with it to the sky but then let super compound in that tax advantaged way mm. given given the choice of one or the other interesting yeah you still disagree
0: no, I, I mean, there's no right, I mean, here, it's, it's like a lot yes, of these yeah. things. There's no right answer. Well, correct, correct. there's the answer that's right for you. Right. Yep. Um. I think. I think as long as you go into these things eyes wide open, that these are the, mm-hmm. there's, there's trade offs in life and <laughs> yeah, in everything, right. and there's trade offs yep. here. And yep. I, I think 100%. if you're making if you're making a decision a- aware of those trade offs and that mm-hmm. you happen to prefer this thing over that, then that's the right answer for you. Even if it's like something that's completely yeah. at odds, it's what I I personally <laughs> would do or you personally would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a personal thing. Beautifully put.
1: And there's two options. Uh, here's your second question, mate. With the US dollar very low compared to the average, would you consider selling more stable, sorry, larger, more stable shares in businesses or successful winners to take advantage of the dollar and then look to buy back in when the dollar normalises? Obviously, this is market timing against our motto, but should, if you've thought about it, my example would be that I own Apple shares, which are up over 150% over the last three years. Hashtag humble brag, Dan. Uh, yes. Seems potentially like a good time to sell... And take advantage of the dollar. Keep up all the good work, Dan.
0: What do you recommend? Um, I, I, my, I tend to to not do things like that um, because, again, the universe has has demonstrated (laughs) to me. Many, 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 many times that that it is going to make me regret. So, you know, it's like, oh, bless his little cotton socks. He thinks he can do that. Let's 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 give him a lesson. You know, uh, God. Yeah. What do they say? Man, man makes plans so the gods can laugh, or something like that. Right? <laughs> I, I, I yeah. can't fault the intent. I can't yeah. fault the thinking. You yeah. know, you can look at the US tech stocks at the moment and say, yeah, they're cer- certainly on the media side of valuations. Yeah, the Aussie dollar is relatively low compared to the greenback. You know, like it, it makes sense. It makes 100% sense. But, but you know, um, one, there's still tax consequences with that. So when you do yep. put money back in, you'll be putting less money back in because mm-hmm. the, the government's going to take a big, big chunk out of that. And it may be that, despite things feeling as though one was expensive, that Apple doubles from here, and and the Aussie dollar drops to forty cents next week. And you're going, oh,
1: serious? <laughs> like
0: so? Yep. I, and the other the other thing I've often thought of, when it comes to currency, I look who knows what's going to happen in the future. But it, using the the past as a guide, you're you're a bold individual to expect the Aussie dollar to go too much below 50 or too much above a dollar. And even, even they're pretty, you know, I'm I'm probably capturing two or three standard deviations in that range. Possibly more, but yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, so, so there's, there's, there's a, there's definitely gains to be made by the accurate timing of it. But when you Mm -hmm. look at a business like an Apple or something, which can compound for decades more, you think, well, am I making a move here, creating a tax event, creating a timing challenge, not just, and by the way, not just the timing of when you sell, but the timing of when you've got to get back in, you've got to, you've got to pull that rabbit out of the hat twice in a row. Right. Yes. Which is, which is, which is really hard, but, but you know, even if the currency really is in your favor, how much of an extra kick do you get as opposed to letting that damn thing just compound and compound and compound. Now, um, I don't. I don't want to make it too much about that particular FX pair or that particular stock, um, but it will and it will depend on on those kinds of things. But I, as a very long term investor, tend to just sort of roll with the punches when it comes to the currency mm. and and focus more on the business. As you've said before, I am definitely more likely to be aggressive with my overseas investments when the Aussie dollar is strong mm-hmm. and less aggressive when it's weak. But but I'm I'm probably not doing big reallocations just just because of what FX is doing.
1: Yep. Uh, but by the way, let the record show that Andrew used the phrase FX pair on this podcast uh, just for for, for, <laughs> Sorry. for uh, future I future reference. Call myself too. Yeah. FX pair, fair Uh Obviously, getting that close to Christmas, mate. It's been a long year. Yeah. Uh, no, you, mate, you're absolutely right. I 100 percent agree. Um, here's the thing. Let's say dollars doesn't appreciate very quickly. By the way, generally speaking. So. Yeah. And look, it might. So, anything, anything could happen. And to your point, mate, whatever, whatever I say now, well, the opposite will happen. I'll look at it like an idiot because the universe hates me as much as it hates you. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but you know, so, so here's the thing. Let, let's say you sell, because you go, you know what, the dollar's like? I'll sell my Apple shares. So you do that. And then over the next year, the dollar, you're right about the dollar. The dollar goes up from 66 to 69 cents. You go, oh, I'm a genius. Maybe guys let's go 70 cents. Let's be really aggressive. That's a 7% gain. And let's say Apple shares go up 8%. Well, you're already behind the eight ball. Plus, mm. you paid capital gains tax. And then you gotta work out, as you said, when you get back in at some point. And the dollar goes to 75 and you go, oh, okay, well, or it goes 66 and you go, oh, I should have done it with well that. And the whole thing continues apace, right? Uh, the particularly if you're a long-term investor and you should be, because a long-term investor should be an oxymoron, Uh sorry, tautology. Um, the idea of of letting letting time do the thing. I mean, if I, I we'd mentioned Berkshire Hathaway, right? Like I've been really lucky, mate. That's gone up fourfold during the time I've owned those shares. Uh, I could have tried to play silly buggers, but now I've got four times my original investment. I own Amazon shares, which have up threefold since I bought them. Uh, you know, these are not, these are, I mentioned not interrupting compounding necessarily. The chances, and here's the thing, currency markets tend to be zero some games. Yeah. Now they're not entirely, it's possible to, to win on both sides. You win on the way up, win on the way down. But you're not buying something that goes up in value. You're buying a relative, you're, you're, you're punting on a relative relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay, shares go up and up and up. Now, I guess if you want to be pedantic about it, it's real, that's that's a real relationship to the do- value of a dollar, and we can get into that sort of stuff. But realistically, you know, Amazon will probably, hopefully, if I'm right, continue to cre- create value over time, not relative to anything else, just in absolute terms. I.e., sells more stuff to more people; it's more valuable because of that. And if that's right, then I'll I'll be worth more as a result. I'm not saying, well, maybe for a short period of time, the exchange rates and the interest rates and the currencies and the economies might go this and that and make up a couple of points here if i sell here and buy here i might be able to make some money that's a stupidly tough way to try and make a living it's just awfully 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 difficult so uh but to your point and then to your question as ram said i absolutely agree i i, I haven't invested i haven't sent any australian dollars to the us in quite a while actually um i really want to <laughs> i look at some of this business like oh, i'd love to own that i can't make myself do it at 63 64 66 cents 75 cents, I'm probably sending some over. 80 cents, I'm definitely sending some over. And a dollar, I'll fill my boots. Um, but to take advantage of those, take advantage of the opportunity to make a long-term investment at attractive rates as opposed to try and play the market and get, a couple of, get too clever and get a couple of percentage points here and there. I just think it's really, really hard to do. Um, but I really wouldn't, particularly if you've got a capital gain, you have because you've told us that. Um, but to Rand's point, you know, if, you've got a, if you've got a capital gain, you've got to pay tax on that. So you've got less to start with after you paid the tax man for the privilege. By the way, Apple's probably gonna have higher dividends over time. They're buying back shares, so the share value is probably gonna increase just by the buybacks alone, which cost you nothing in tax because it's a buyback. Um, I don't know. I'm not I don't own Apple shares, by the way. I own Berkshire with Jones Apple, so indirectly I do. But it's just, I don't know. I think if you own a great business, just well, back to Charlie, right? Don't interrupt compounding necessarily. Yeah. Trying to play silly buggers on the currency to try and get a little bit extra relative to just owning great businesses for a very long time. Sometimes it's just like keep it simple, you know, just do the simple things well. Um, I, I, I just don't think we need to make it any harder than that.
0: Yep. Yep. I 100% agree.
1: On that rare and auspicious note, I think <laughs> we're probably done for this particular podcast. Uh, Ram, I'm going to, I'm going to, well, you are exclusively on Twitter, but you are also a uh, regular on the pod machine. I can assume, can I, that I can count on your attendance next Friday? You know you can. You couldn't stop
0: me if you tried.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In that case, until next Friday, have a wonderful rest of your weekend and Fool on. Cheers.
0: The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.